Hey everyone, welcome back. Today I'm catching up with Toronto-based dermatologist, Dr. Julia Carroll. In this episode, we discuss all things skin health. And if you had a chance to actually catch my latest episode with C, then you're already familiar with the term microbiome. If not, not to worry, we go over it once again. And this time we actually touch on the connection that it has with our skin. We also get into protecting our skin against the sun. Yes, I know it's currently the summertime and we know that we need to be wearing our SPF. But after this episode, you'll know why it's super important to be mindful all year around. Dr. Carol also shares some of her favorite sun tips with us. So those were super informative because I didn't know some of them and I'm always learning, meaning you guys are always learning and we're all always learning. So before we start, um, I'm going to ask you kindly to leave a rating and a review if you have time. I appreciate you if you do that. If you don't have time, I totally get it. Anyways, we're going to head into this episode and I hope you guys enjoy. Hey guys, how's it going? I'm sitting down with Dr. Julia Carroll. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. How's your day going? It's going great so far. Good. Um, Okay, why don't we just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. I'm a dermatologist. And so what that means is I did undergrad, then I went to medical school, and then after medical school, I specialized in dermatology. So in total, that was about 15 years of training uh, after high school. Almost one third of my life. There you go. Um, And I've been in practice now for over 10 years. Yeah. Okay. And so what do you do at your clinic? So we do a mix of things. That's the cool thing about being a dermatologist is I see anything from babies to the elderly. I see skin cancers. I do lots of skin checks looking for skin cancers, and then we can excise them, cut them out if we see them. Um, I also talk to a lot of people about uh, skin conditions like acne, rosacea, eczema. And then a large part of my practice is also cosmetic dermatology. So we're doing prejuvenation, rejuvenation, things like Botox, fillers, lasers, all that Mm -hmm. fun stuff. Amazing. So I think we're in the summer now, the dead of summer. I want to talk about skin health and why it's so important. So what's cool about your practice is like you are a dermatologist, you're a skin doctor, but then you do stuff like the fillers and all that fun cosmetics, the the fun stuff on the side. So why is skin health so important in all areas? Well, I think at the core, people want to present them their best selves. Mm -hmm. So if you have even, you know, one little zit or a freckle that you don't like in the wrong place, for some people that can be really hard on them. And you don't see, for example, your liver or your heart so all those, those things may not be perfect until they're really bad. You don't see it. But skin, you see early signs of things like aging or skin diseases such as eczema or rosacea. Mm-hmm. So I also say that our skin is kind of like a detoxer, like when we do get like acne in that area. I don't think that's true. No? No. I it's, think that's a big myth. It is? Yeah. So like when you would, for instance, eat bad food and get pimples. I think the thing that detoxes you is your liver and your kidneys. Okay. So when... Like what I want to kind of get into with skin health is let's talk about the microbiome. Okay. Um, my last episode with seed. So for the people that have been listening um, with seed, we were talking about the microbiome in our gut and there's also microbiome on our skin. So why don't you kind of educate the listeners about what that is and what that's all about? I have been saying that microbiome is like the buzzword of 2019 because it's just, I feel like it came out of nowhere. I had no idea what it was last year. Um, and now I feel like I just keep hearing it over and over again. So why don't you just 
Give sure. us the down low. Yeah. So microbiome basically means a micro environment of things that are living. So for your skin, it's what's living on the surface of your skin. It can be bacteria, fungi, viruses, mites, all those little things that we don't mites. really want to think about <laughs> wow. day to day, but they're, but they're living on your skin. Yeah. And so until recently with the gut, with the skin, you know, even say with the top of the table, we didn't really know what was going on there because we didn't have a way to really test and digest that information. But now with genetic testing, we can test the area, say swab it, and then we can run DNA and see exactly to the, you know, ninth decimal place, exactly Mm -hmm. what's living there, how much, and whether it's going up or down in different states of our life. So that's the, that's the microbiome. And we're just at the beginning of figuring out what it really does with our skin in this case, you know, if, and how this, they, they interplay. So if you have an imbalance in the microbiome, it can affect your skin and may produce skin disease or even just itch or discomfort or redness. But I think the skin can also affect the microbiome. And then what we put on the surface affects the microbiome. So there's this whole interplay with all of those parts. It kind of sounds, I'm, please correct me. Is it kind of like pH or is it so different? pH is part of it. Okay. Right? So you can test the pH and you're looking for products that are, you know, pH balanced and closer to this, which means closer to the skin's pH, but it's really all those organisms that are on there. And, Mm -hmm. and some are, you know, there's kind of a, a little fight and a balance going on. Sometimes there's lots of bacteria and there's some that are quote unquote good and some that are quote unquote bad, but they're really not good and bad. It's more that we're looking for the right balance. And it's interesting. Like, for example, if you and I lived in the same household, we would have very similar microbiomes. Mm -hmm. So you have similar microbiome to your family. You get your microbiome originally from your mom when you're born. Mm -hmm. Um, And in different seasons or different uh, countries, you'll find microbiomes change. I have a lot of patients who are in Toronto that immigrate to Toronto and they're say from China or India, and they'll say to me, you know, my skin is so different here. And you you think, well, really, how can it be? It's not, mm-hmm. is it just winter? But no, I think it's the microbiome that's doing that. Would you also say that's a water? I find that sometimes when I travel, the water changes my skin too. Like because when I'm it's sh- affecting the yeah. microbiome. There you go. So the water we- has bacteria and different things in it yeah. too. So how can we do, what do we... I don't even want to say help it because we don't know what the issue is. So is it more like dryness or causes like redness? Like what is stuff? All of those things. All of that. It depends on you, right? So it depends on what you're bringing to the situation Mm -hmm. and then what you put into the situation. So each individual has their own microbiome that changes day to day, year to year, um, and sometimes even hour to hour. And part of that is what's going on inside of you, but part of it is also what you're putting on it. And I also don't want to like, I don't want it to seem for those listening that there's like a bad microbiome or like, it's not like someone has a bad, it's kind of just, it varies. And by seeing our microbiome or whatever we may see when we test it, it kind of identifies ways that you can either like help your skin. I don't think we know yet. We don't know. We don't know. (laughs) So it's not like there's a test I could say, okay, I want everyone to run out there and get that swab. And then you can find out what your microbiome is. It It doesn't work like that, but you know, you can think about if there's things that you're doing, for example, if you were using, you know, a cleanser that was really harsh and mm-hmm. then it dried your skin out and maybe you were over cleaning, you could wipe out some of the bacteria that, you know, you needed or were healthy for your microbiome. And then you might have problems like, for example, eczema or rosacea. Which I had the worst eczema this year. 
which I thought was so weird. I didn't have it since I was like 12. And then this year specifically, I my eyes were completely white and like red and sometimes and crunchy. And I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. So and it could have been a product you were using. Couple sure. that with Canadian winter. It's, it was a pretty bad winter. It's a pretty bad it's winter. Pretty, hopefully this summer is kind of like. <laughs> Thank God summer's here. Moistens the skin, if that makes sense. Um, okay. So what are some things that you would recommend to help our microbiome? Well, I think you don't want to over clean the body. And mm-hmm. I think that's been proven. Um, you can look for products that are gentle uh, pH balance. And some brands have actually cat, like, kind of grabbed onto this information. For example, Dove has a body wash. Mm-hmm. They've discovered with research that it, it is microbiome friendly, mostly having to do with it doesn't have um, parabens in it and sulfates. Uh, I think especially the sulfates. And then it has a pH that is close to skin pH. Mm-hmm. And so I think brands are also awakening to this new microbiome concept. And they're either looking at products they already have that are microbiome friendly, or I think we're going to see products specifically developed to be microbiome friendly. So I know over the past two years, we've been hearing so many things about like PA, like like with sulfates and all those bad stuff in products. Do you think that there's those types of ingredients or stuff that would harm everyone's microbiome or only specific I think just skin. specific skin, so yeah. skin that is more sensitive. You know, a lot of the preservatives get a bad rap, but the fact is, you know, we have to preserve products or mm-hmm. else we can't keep them on a shelf. You know, you would have products that would expire in days to weeks if we didn't preserve them. And some of these older preservatives, we have a lot of a lot of data on, and as dermatologists, we're really comfortable with them. But because of some, you know, marketing and pushback from certain groups, they're getting pushed out and then being replaced by newer um, preservatives but we don't necessarily have long-term data on those. So when it comes to preservatives, parabens, the one that everyone always talks about, my concern as a dermatologist is more if someone's allergic to it. And that's pretty obvious. Uh, And the same thing with sulfates. So some people can also be irritated by sulfates, but I think there's a lot of pseudoscience out there. People that have taken one line from papers and then exploded it out. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like the anti-vaxxers where they take a little bit of information and then, and then, Magnet, and then, like yeah, magnify it. it. Yeah, and it's a lot of fear mongering, and then I think consumers are really confused as to what they can put on their skin, what they should put on their skin, and then we're going to throw the microbiome at them. Yeah, a hundred, <laughs> and they're going to get even more confused. Exactly. Um, do you mind? Just because I also myself don't know exactly what is pH. So for because I know we just mentioned it. So I know right. there's a lot of like different soaps out there that are pH balanced, and I know that there are a lot of creams and stuff that are like. Balance your pH. I have no idea what, what pH, pH is. is. Okay. So can you please It's something that I just feel like everybody knows, but I, know, I think that's just my I think training. I know the term and I know that our pH needs to be balanced, but I don't know why you it don't needs know why. to be okay. balanced or what it is. So pH is basically addressing. Okay, I'm having to dig way back in my basic that's science fine. here, but pH, we love science. I love science. <laughs> pH is addressing how acidic or basic something is. Okay. So a neutral pH is in the seven range. And then if you go up in pH, it's more basic and things, one of the most basic things um, is lye. So it's a, it's what soap was originally made from. And it's very, um, uh, would be very harsh on the skin or on products Mm -hmm. or, or on like clothing or any, you know, any kind of environment it's harsh. And then on the opposite end of that is an acid. So when it's very low pH, it's acidic and you don't want things to be too acidic or too basic 
unless you're using them, you know, we want some things that are acidic and basic for chemical reactions mm -hmm. in manufacturing and different things. But when it comes to skin, you want something that is closer to skin pH, which is in the three range. Three. Mm -hmm. So when something, okay. when, when it says it's pH balanced for your skin, that's not, it's not that it's not acidic or not basic. You don't want it to be neutral. You want yeah. it to be a little bit acidic because that's your, what your skin lives in is a slightly acidic environment. It's yeah. that microbiome. That's what protects you from the outside world is having that little bit of an acidic cover on you. Layer. And that will protect you from outside attacks, say yeah. viruses, bacteria, things like that. But I don't think I've ever seen a, like, I, I know I see pH balance, but mm -hmm. you'll never see like a number. No, you? and nor should you. I yeah. think it's, that's putting too much on a consumer. Yeah. Um, but I think, and, and also, you know, pHs are probably not bang on, you know, it depends again on, on, uh, how the products are all working together. And when you put it on your own skin, your own microbiome. So the word, but the word pH balance when it is on a skincare product yeah. is meaning it's close to the skin's pH. That's perfect. The, the average skin pH. Cause we have a different skin pH, you and I. I also like that your definition wasn't too confusing. Okay. So I think I everyone is going to understand it. And I'm really glad. <laughs> what made you want to get into skin? Well, that's a good question. I always was the girl who wanted to be in the know. Okay. So if you look at, you know, in high school, uh, I always wanted to run the show and be the one who knew it was going on. So way back in the day, that might've been like where to get the best latte or when there was a shoe yeah. sale, but that got a little old. <laughs> um, so, What's your sign? Oh, do you want to guess? Well, Gemini. No, Virgo. No. Virgo. Virgo. I'm married to Gemini, but no. I'm Geminis are usually the ones that like question everything. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't like, questioning, yeah. but more I wanted to have this to too. To know. Yeah. And so, you know, when the shoe sales got old, I, <laughs> I, pursued, <laughs> I still love a good shoe sale. Don't get me wrong, but don't look at my bags that I've got <laughs> under the table. Um, but then I, you know, I wanted to, wanted to help people. Yeah. So I went into medicine and that was great for me. And then when I started into medicine, I kind of looked back on my life and realized as a teen, I'd suffered from horrible acne. Okay. And that was quite devastating. And I knew what it felt like to not get the help you need and to be sort of roaming around without the information and the, and the proper treatments. And so dermatology was a natural fit for me. And then as a young woman who wanted to be her best, look her best, that the cosmetic aspect, you know, also fit nicely. So it was sort of that, that combination of wanting to be in the know, pursuing medicine, wanting to be able to help patients like me who had had bad acne. Mm -hmm. And then furthermore, wanting to give patients the right cosmetic information. But that's like so, I feel like now, I, probably when you were in school, like cosmetic procedures weren't so... Oh, they were not so mainstream. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So how did, did you know then that that's, you wanted to do that? It, I mean, it's a core part of dermatology. So right. it was something that I was trained in from the very beginning. A lot of people just kind of do it on the side, yeah. but it is something like, for example, Botox was invented by a couple in Vancouver, one who's an ophthalmologist. It's and Canadian? Yes. No yes, way. That's a fun fact. Yeah. I so, love that. And one of them is still practicing today. So Dr. Jean Carruthers, wow. she's an ophthalmologist and her husband, Dr. Alistair Carruthers was a dermatologist and they were maybe, maybe invent is not the right word, but they were certainly at the forefront and are considered like the mm -hmm. grandparents of Botox and they're from Vancouver. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So yeah. being that it's July and the sun is beaming and we hear all the time that the sun just keeps getting worse and worse, especially mm -hmm. for our skin. How, what would you recommend for those listening, like ways to protect ourselves against the sun, of course, a sunscreen, mm -hmm. but what else would you say? Well, so I think 
A sunscreen is always a good option. Yeah. And at least a 45, even 50 yeah. is great. And every day you should be wearing sunscreen, even in the winter. So it's great that we're talking about it in the summer, but I don't want people to get the impression that it's also not important mm-hmm. in the winter because the ultraviolet A is the same all year long. It doesn't fluctuate um, in the area that you live in. The ultraviolet B, the one that burns you, that we notice that comes out on yeah. long weekends, hopefully, and <laughs> you know that, that tans you and burns you, that goes up and down with the, with the season, yeah. but ultraviolet A doesn't. So you're always wanting to wear sunscreen. I'm a really big believer, secondly, in topical antioxidants. Mm-hmm. Vitamin C is really the gold standard of that. Um, I, it also does it, it protects it protects you against the environment too, right? So in a way, it what it does is it will protect you from any sun that gets in through the sunscreen. It causes something called free radicals that can damage your skin and damage your DNA and cause skin cancer, cause brown spots, cause wrinkles. So the vitamin C will neutralize that. And um, it also increases collagen production. So who doesn't want more collagen? Um, We love collagen. We love love taking collagen and we love putting it on our skin too. Yeah. And then I'm also a really big believer in, um, in cleansing. Yeah. So I don't want people to over cleanse, but I think a gentle cleanser for face and body Mm -hmm. is, is really helpful because I really want my patients to wash off the day. So we're out in the environment, we've got pollution, we're wearing sunscreen, we've got makeup on, products on, um, you know, we're interacting with people all day and their microbiomes. So we want to, you know, cleanse that off and yeah. then start fresh for the next day. So when you, cause I, I wear an SPF 50 every single day. Awesome. Is just putting it on once in the morning enough? Not really. If you were going to be inside all day, yeah. that's probably in no windows, that's probably sufficient, but the ultraviolet A does get through windows. So if you're driving, oh my gosh. if you're sitting in <laughs> an office that has yeah. a window, we have lots of examples of people who sat by windows their whole life. And you can see definite sand sun damage on the window side and not on the other. There's lots of examples on the internet of that. Um, but if you're outside, the sunscreens work like a sponge. So mm-hmm. if you're outside, they're going to they're gonna soak up the sun and sort of expire more quickly than if you were inside, not in light. Yeah. Okay, so you're a skin expert, so I'm going to take advantage of you right now because you're here for me. Um, SPF, the numbers, what does a number mean? Just for people listening, even for like body sunscreen, like when you're... Well, you should protect your body the same as your face. So when we're out in the summer, Mm -hmm. does 30 mean you need to apply? I feel like this is a really big misconception and people think that like the number just means the number of minutes you have outside. Is that right or is that... Right. So if you want to get technical about it, SPF stands for sun protection factor. And it's really only addressing the ultraviolet B rays. Okay. It doesn't address the ultraviolet A. There are some rating systems out there, but there's nothing great. So as a community, we're still working on how to get the ultraviolet A message across. But just know that the sunscreens that we have available today in Canada, US, Europe, if it's a if it's a um, if it's an approved brand, like a Health Canada approved right. brand, it's going to if it says on it covers you for UVA and UVB, then you've got both coverage. So. Oh, good. That's good to know. It says it very clearly on the label. But so what it means is you should be able to stay out in the sun 30 times longer than without sunscreen. Okay. But again, that's the ultraviolet B. So you won't burn, but the ultraviolet A, you're starting to feel that sooner and the effects of that, but you don't notice that. So those are the rays that go deeper, that cause skin cancer, cause wrinkles. So I think it's, a lot to put on somebody to say, 
you know, I, I burn usually in five minutes. So now I can, t- if I'm wearing an SPF 30, I multiply the 30 by five. And now <laughs> everyone I can- becomes a mathematician once right? this happens, right? Yeah. And so, you know, someone who's redhead, blue eyes, freckles has a different amount of time that they can stay out Absolutely. than somebody who's dark skinned. So, you know, I, I just go back to basics. Yeah. Look for something that says ultraviolet A and ultraviolet B coverage or broad spectrum Go for at least a 30. I'm a lot happier if there's a 50. And then just put it on every two hours if you're outside. So like if I'm saying I'm getting a 70, that's that's good, right? 70 is good. I, I, mean, if they, I wish they made it stronger. They make 110. Good. Sorry? They make 110. Oh, well, if but I the, see the, it. But the reason why it's 110 is because it has really good UVA coverage. Okay. And it accidentally bumps up that number. The company's not really trying to go after 110, but they're trying to get the best UVA coverage, and that inadvertently just bumps up the ultraviolet B, which is what the SPF is based on, so you get 110. Great. Okay. Is that confusing? No, it's fine, because I'm going to re-listen to this and take notes and keep it forever to understand. SPF 50 every two hours. Reapply if you sweat or get wet. There we go. Even if it's waterproof, still reapply. There's no such thing as waterproof sunscreen. They it's lied. only it, no, it not, <laughs> nothing says waterproof anymore. Yeah. They say water oh, resistant forty, okay. water resistant eighty that for makes forty sense. minutes or eighty minutes, and then okay. you still have to reapply. So you only get eighty minutes in the water, and you have to reapply. Okay, so doctor, um, I feel as though females like covering their face when they're tanning because mm-hmm. they don't want to get wrinkles, mm-hmm. but. Why don't we get into the importance of actually not exposing our entire bodies to sunlight as well? Right. So I'll throw a question back at you. Why don't you want to get wrinkles? I don't want to age quicker than I should visually. Is it because you want to look better or look like, good? Is it fair to why say look do I, good? I, I feel like wrinkles are signs of aging, right? Okay. So what if I was to tell you that if you don't protect your body, mm-hmm. I mean, skin is skin. Yeah. And the most, com- what do you think the most common place that women get skin cancer is? Well, my first guess was going to be the face, obviously, because it's always exposed. But then my second guess would probably be the chest or yeah. like a little bit like upper to lower back. Okay. That was my guess. So for the non-melanoma skin cancers, you'd be right. Those sun-exposed areas, face, chest, upper shoulders, upper back. But for melanoma, which is the deadly type of skin cancer, the most common place is on the back of the leg. So if you have a melanoma, hopefully you don't die from it. Mm -hmm. And if you, but you will have a giant scar. So going back to, you know, the way we look and how we're presenting ourselves, you don't want to have wrinkles. I think people also wouldn't want to have a giant scar on the back of their leg. hundred percent not. Yeah. So you have to treat your body with the same respect you treat your face. Yeah. So tanning is just like a no bueno. It's a no, no. The reason why your body tans is because it's saying you're injuring me. I'm trying to put up a big sombrero, which is, (laughs) which is color to protect myself so that I don't get damaged further, but it's not a, it's not really good protection. You know, a tan gives you an SPF of four. Which is nothing. It's not enough, right? It's not enough. So people say, but I just get a little tan. It's like, no, that's your body screaming at you. I feel, I'm like trying to think of also why we like tanning. And one, it's like, we like looking like we have color, but then it's just like, we know the negative effects that come with it. Mm -hmm. So we're like sacrificing. I can tell you why we like tans. (laughs) Tell me. So the reason the tan became popular uh, was because of Coco Chanel. Oh. So before 
her time, it was very, it was considered um, attractive to be pale because you looked like you were wealthier, mm-hmm. a higher class because you weren't outside working. Right. Right. You were inside. And we saw, you know, you think back of back in these movies like Amadeus and things like that. They're always yeah. powdering their faces and Queen Victoria, very, very pale. Yeah. Coco Chanel, ever the avant-garde woman that she was, goes off to the south of France, you know, hangs out on a yacht for a few weeks, comes back to Paris. I'd like to, to do that too. Yeah, I'd be all over that. <laughs> you can bring me. I'll bring the sunscreen. Yeah. Um, comes back to Paris, tanned, and then the tan became trendy. Wow. And it persists. And now that's... That's all people want. But I think right now we're in a time that we're a little bit more educated. For sure. With the exception of certain presidents, I think the um, <laughs> the, the pendulum That's has swung. Yeah. And I think if you look at celebrities, particularly female celebrities, mm-hmm. they're preaching the message and they're and they're they're not tanned. Right. Yeah. I agree. Okay. And so what are some tips that you have for us using sunscreen? Okay. So my favorite tip is in the summer or even in the winter, if you're just, you know, the parts that you're just exposing face neck, Mm -hmm. I want people to put their sunscreen on when they're naked, because what this will do is it makes sure that you get all the parts. So you put, you put it on your face and then you work it down your neck and you're not worried then about getting it on your clothes and you can get it a little bit more extended than if you're trying to put it on with your clothing. So that just prevents those little burns. Like one of my friends got a big burn on the weekend Yeah, because they had a, a top on and they put the sunscreen on their V-neck for the for the top that they had on. And then they switched tops and the top was a little bit looser in the back and yeah. it, it hung back. And then she got a horrible burn. So she'd gone out of her way to actually put the sunscreen on and still got the burn. If you put it on naked and just kind of put it all the way down to your chest, then, you, then you're covered for any areas that you might be, mm-hmm. uh, you might be using. Um, and a lot of people think you have to put the sunscreen on half an hour before you go outside or it's not worth yes, it. Yes. That's what I thought too. Yeah. I mean, that is on the label of the products, but it doesn't mean that, that you need to, that if you don't have 30 minutes that you shouldn't put it on, it's kind of the way sunscreens used to work and it just persists on the labels. But when you put the sunscreen on, it's pretty much working right away. And Another thing, I find that a lot of brands make face-specific sunscreen. Is mm-hmm. that because they're ingredients that don't clog our pores, or is it because it's a stronger type of sunscreen? It's not a stronger type. Okay. So the SPF is the SPF, and the ingredients are the ingredients. I think there's a couple things at play. One of them is that uh, there might be an ingredient, like a base that doesn't clog your pores. People like a lighter sunscreen often for the face, but a lot of it is marketing too, where you know, you have baby sunscreens are in one part of the drugstore, face sunscreens are in another, and body sunscreens are in another. And is it like another. essentially all the same product? Yeah, I mean, the bases might be slightly different. Baby versus uh, regular is probably not that different, mm-hmm. but the only way to get in the baby aisle of certain big chain drugstores is to have the word baby or baby pictures on it. So it just gives the brand more coverage. Okay. Um, so there's nothing particular about a sunscreen that says baby. Uh, they they may have a baby sunscreen that is for sensitive skin, but they may also have that same uh, same one in in just a regular sunscreen that's for sensitive mm-hmm. skin, and it's the same product. So um, there's no reason why if you're sitting with a bottle of sunscreen and you're like, oh, it says for face, should I put it on my body? Sure, if you want to. Yeah. And the same is true if you're stuck and you have a body sunscreen and you want to put it on your face, that's fine. Especially if you don't have anything like put something on, right? right? It doesn't matter what you're using. Exactly. Um, if it's like body, put it on your face. If yes. it's face, you could still put it on your body, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing I think that's interesting too about the uh, sunscreen numbers is that those numbers are based on a lab uh, number. So mm-hmm. how much 
we put on two milligrams per centimeter squared in the lab. And then we test to see when people burn. That's how we figure out the numbers. But in real life, people don't put on that much sunscreen. So that's another reason to go with a higher number because most people, when they put on a 30, are only getting a 15 or even maybe an eight. Right. They don't put it on thick enough. Also for the listeners, I know um, for those of you who've been following me for quite some time now, you know that I typically go towards more natural products. Sunscreen is the one thing I actually don't do natural at all. And that's because um, I actually have darker skin. And when I used natural sunscreen, that was the first time I ever burned in my entire life. Really? And I was like, you know what? I really do believe that like, take the stuff with, I don't even know. I'm not, are they chemicals? They're not like well, they're, in regular sunscreen. The natural sunscreen, so to yeah. quote unquote natural, they're a chemical as well. They're both, yeah. you know, they're both chemicals, yeah. right? You look like titanium dioxide, zinc oxide. Yeah. Those are on the periodic table. So <laughs> I think it's really scientific funny. chemicals. Right? Yeah. yeah. But people make these distinctions. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a personal choice. One mm-hmm. of the things I do say to people who are phobic of sunscreens, again, I think there's a lot of pseudoscience out there. It's the anti-vax message of, of the dermatology world. You know, yeah. we, we it's something we fight on a daily basis. But one of the things that people should realize is that sunscreen is just part of protecting yourself. So mm-hmm. part of it is avoiding the sun at the peak hours. The second part is using sun protective clothing. So I have a nine-year-old. When she's out in the sun, she's got a hat. She's got a rash guard yeah. on. She does a little bit of, uh, you know, sailing camp in the summer and she's got long pants with her board shorts. So she's covered up and then she just puts sunscreen on the parts that are exposed. So it's the, it's the third line of defense. I do like a combination of a chemical and a physical blocker because I think the physical blockers, which is the titanium and the zinc are better at protecting us from visible light. And there's lots of new evidence now Mm -hmm. that it's not just the sunlight, but also the visible light that we have day to day from screens, from lights in our office, from our phones that may also be damaging the skin as well. So I do like a combination product. So you said peak sun hours. When are those? Because I feel like there is a huge misconception when people think peak hours are and when peak hours actually are. So can I say when I think it is? Say when you think. I think I'm assuming it's between like 11 and one, but I feel like the right answer so different organizations will say different okay. things, but 10 to 3, I believe, is yeah. the Canadian Dermatology Association okay. con- um, definition of peak hours. Then how come I just feel way hotter at like 3 to 4 o'clock? I feel like the sun is like There may be more heat. Yeah. Like, but, so it's not, that, it's not that the peak is right in the middle of that okay. time, but just on, you know, on average 10 to 3. And so we, I guess we, I was right. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, I mean, those, are, those are the peakest of yeah, the peak hours. Yeah, the peak of the peak. But and then who knows? You know, with global warming too. I just came back from a conference and there was a, a keynote on on how global warming is affecting dermatology and what we're seeing as dermatologists because of changes in our climate. Yeah. And so with climate change, that number may also change too. I, I think that's something to watch. Would it be different between like us and the states in terms of like time? I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, I feel <laughs> I like, like I think that has to do really. with the latitude. Yeah, that's like, of where true. you are. For example, that's I was more just like spacey. Right. Like I was in Calgary, and it was ten yeah. o'clock. It was light still at ten o'clock at night, which was crazy because we were, you know, more north. Yeah. Well, they also have like coldish weather right now too, which is so bizarre. Wish them well. Um, 
Okay. I feel like we've covered so much and I feel like you've taught me so much about summer skin. Um, and I feel like the listeners are going to appreciate this. So thank you so much for Oh, it's my pleasure. On. I always love talking about skin. My favorite topic. I love talking about skin too. And I just love learning about it as well. And I feel like in the past like two years, a lot of information has been out there and like no one really knows how to like properly debunk it. Cause there's a lot of information coming up people. So yeah. I think it's always keep it simple Go back to the science. Trust your doctors. Trust the your doctors. We do really, that we have your best interests at heart exactly. when we make our recommendations. I agree with you. We're not trying to sell you things all the time. No, <laughs> no. Okay, so just before we go, wrapping it all up from what we just discussed, what are your top recommendations for summer skin? After all that information we've just received, what are the top things? Well, I think you want to keep it simple. Remember that there's three ways to protect your skin from the sun. Uh, one is keep keeping indoors during the peak hours. The second is sun protective clothing. And the third is using sunscreen, at least mm-hmm. an SPF 50. Mm-hmm. So that's my number one tip. Minimum SPF 50, guys. Right, right. And then the second tip is that when you are putting your sunscreen on, put it on naked so yep. you can get all the little nooks and crannies. And then don't forget at the end of the day or even the next morning, you really want to wash the day off. Mm-hmm whether it's your face or your body with the sunscreen, the pollution, maybe the sand. Mm -hmm. And I'd recommend a microbiome friendly body wash for that. Dove, you mentioned Dove is definitely- Dove is one of the ones that that has been shown to be microbiome friendly and pH Amazing. Um, Yeah, I feel like sometimes when we're out in the sun all day, like we get sweaty and stuff and people don't shower every night, but especially if you're using sunscreen every single day, it is important. I think it's good, especially for people that break out. It's an easy step. So for those listening, you can follow- Dr. Carol at what is your Instagram? At Dr. Julia Carroll. C A R R O L L. Amazing. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.